0: Alright guys, welcome back to the Rest of Us Tennis Podcast. Like always, I'm your host that goes by the name Coach Mid-Major. I'll post these episodes as always uh, at Twitter, at Coach Mid-Major, Instagram, at The Rest of Us Tennis, um, Spotify, under The Rest of Us Tennis Podcast. Don't be afraid to message me on social media or or at TheRestOfUsTennis at Yahoo.com. All messages are welcome, you know, I would appreciate in, input for future content, or if you just want to plainly insult me, shoot me a message. Um, I have a great episode on tap, the regionals out of the way, and super regionals upcoming this weekend. We still have Pepperdine holding it down for the mid-majors. I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, because Pepperdine is a unique outlier. And I usually refuse to label them as a mid-major team. But what the hell? I'm pulling for them, for Pepperdine, to win the whole damn thing. Let's first go over some news. Once again, some good coaching news. And then discuss how this past weekend's action unfolded. Let's get it going. Okay, segment one. News and a topic that interests me. Okay, coaching news. Coach Jeff Wallace at Georgia Is retiring after 38 years at the end of the season. As expected Drake Bernstein will take over. What a career, what a legend Jeff Wallace is. It would be so fitting if they can win it all this year. Bernstein has been there for over 11 years so most likely it will be an easy smooth transition. Having said that, Vanderbilt had a similar situation when Jeff McDonald retired a couple of years ago, and there has definitely been a pullback over there at Vanderbilt to what they used to be, so that will be Drake Bernstein's challenge, um, but you know another hire from within, and a good hire, most definitely. Um, some more coaching news. Mississippi State job is open. Somewhat expected, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, On an episode about coaches on the hot seat. Some bad years, a couple of bad years. And then the success of the men's team ultimately got them over there. But what an opportunity for whomever gets that job. Whoever gets that job somewhat similar to Missouri. Forget about the transfer portal and recruiting American kids. Just get off your couch. Set up shop in Europe and overseas for the summer. And recruit and recruit yourself a top twenty-five team. No reason for those SEC schools not to have the talent to compete and be in the top twenty-five. So, man, that's a couple of jobs that have already been filled. Uh, that, that's uh, you know the Georgia job, quick fill, Alabama, Arkansas. All three of them were filled from within. We still openings out there, curious to see what happens, is Clemson, obviously this Mississippi State's going to be interesting, you got Minnesota out there, definitely let me know if I'm missing any Power 5 jobs that are open, and, and even those mid-major jobs, uh, I'll start monitoring ITA classifieds and NCAA job market, but sometimes they do not advertise those jobs um, you know, obviously, it's always interesting to see who the power five is going to hire. But even those mid major jobs, let me know what's open, and then I'd like to discuss all of it. Let's go. Let's get ahead into the topic, or topic that interests me, and I just want to kind of speak loosely about this NIT tournament that is upcoming. It looks like it's going to be played at Peachtree City, um, same time as the NCAA tournament. Man, it's kind of tough to get information on this tournament. And I I know it's going to be tricky this first year because they're trying to get it off the ground. But I wish they advertised it a little bit better or maybe I just don't know where to find it. As far as I could gather, and I'm speaking under correction, the teams that are playing in this NIT tournament is TCU, ranked 47, Iowa, 45, Colorado, 62. UC Northridge 110, Stetson 90, Air Force 83, Wyoming 70, and then UC San Diego 222. Well, that's a list that I have, but like I said, I'm speaking on the correction. Okay, so those are the teams, but let me first clarify or give out a disclaimer. I think this tourney is great in theory, and yes, this is a starting point. And it will take a year or two, if it does have legs, to smooth things out. A couple of rough, top-of-my-head observations, opinions, or questions that I have with regards to this tourney. Why play at the same time as the NCAA Finals? Why not maybe this weekend during Super Regionals? Yeah, it's just don't see the common sense in directly competing with our main event Our showcase event at the end of the year. My next question is Will these eight teams that have been selected be at full strength or close to full strength? I assume some of the players have graduated and they're ready to get out of there. If they've got international kids, maybe they're already going back to their home countries, etc. etc. It will be a pity if these teams are not close to full strength and you're playing with a bunch of backups um next one question what was the selection criteria i can't really see exactly what that criteria was now now once again i i I know it was going to be tricky i saw something was mentioned that it was a team utr power ranking or somewhere along those lines but it really seems like there's a wide range in the rankings of a team's competing i would be real curious to know Who all turned down invitations before they landed at the final eight teams? That's interesting information. I would like to know. And then last but not least, and I say this very tongue-in-cheek, Power 5 teams should not accept an invitation or should not have accepted an invitation. You did not make the big tourney so go home and try again next year and let the rest of us have a little bit of fun at this nit tournament (laughs) like i said you know little tongue in cheek one final little jab at the power fives thank you very much in summary a good concept this nit tournament if you can make some progress with getting the ita on board and maybe simplify where it gets to a point where the last eight teams not in the NCAA tournament will commit, then I could see some really good value in this tournament eventually. But let's go ahead, keep things moving, and get into the results section of this week. Okay, segment two, the results section. Now obviously, it just boiled down to the NCAA tournament. Those are the only results coming in. And a lot of times the NCAA tournament results is somewhat predictable. There was a couple of them that kind of popped off a page for me. And I I, I followed the most of it, some good stuff. But the ones that stood out for me was San Diego defeating Cal 4-1. That's the second time this year that San Diego has defeated them. That came to me as a little bit of a surprise obviously San Diego is good man and what a year that they've had uh, Cal seemed like they were very talented and had the ability to play with a lot of teams around the country so great job by San Diego getting one for the mid-majors the next one was ODU Old Dominion defeating South Carolina 4-2 um, great win for Old Dominion great year for them It's a real pity that Old Dominion had to play UNC in the second round. I think it would have been very interesting to see them go against an 8-16 seed. But once again, great job ODU. And kind of a tough year for South Carolina compared to their usual standards. Next one, Wake Forest defeating Arizona State 4-3. I honestly thought that Arizona State would get that one. Um, so it kind of came a little bit as a surprise. Uh, Wake Forest, I mean, that's a good year for them, isn't it? They, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they lost a couple of players. Those Campana sisters that went to Pepperdine. So for them to hold steady and make the second round of an NCAA tournament, I mean, that's 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 a very good season over there. Arizona State. But they kind of fit there in a category, seem like they're real talented. Um, so probably comes as a little bit of a disappointment losing first round. Next one Auburn defeating Miami, 4 3. Match came down to number 6, where Flack won 6 4 in the third. A little servant volley action there, transitioning to the net. Um, different style, task style of play over there. But gritty Orban and probably some good coaching helped them bounce back after a shaky end to the season and a rough loss to Ole Miss at the SEC tournament. Um, you know, good job by Orban, Miami. Man, it doesn't matter how positive and you know they are on social media. That's a disappointing year, isn't it? If you had to be honest about it, not making. ITA indoors and then not making the sweet 16 um, outdoors. Yeah, and it seemed like they had the talent, but just really couldn't put it together to get over the hump. UCLA defeating Duke 4 3. No doubt, <clears throat> no doubt, UCLA has a talent, like we've discussed in earlier episodes. But it looked like Duke was in firm control of that match, and it's just one of those days, man. Um, I even saw at number six Duke was up 6-0-3-0 and ended up losing that match at number six. Yeah, sometimes sometimes sports can be cruel, and it looked like Duke was just on the wrong end of it. You know, a little bit of a weird feel to Duke's season because it seems like they won a lot. Um, but they probably lost one or two that they would like to have back, but they'll be back strong again next year, like always. The last three I got over here, they're not upsets, but damn, I was pulling for the mid majors in these matchups. Um, Auburn defeating FIU, FIU losing a close one there, 4 3. What a great season for FIU once again. Um, if, they can, if they can maintain that, I mean, that's, that's, that's an extremely high level for a mid-major team. Baylor defeating SMU 4-3. SMU had that one. They, they got the doubles, and they were up there for a little bit towards the end of the match, but the Bears just out-toughed them down the stretch. You know, big win for Baylor, real gritty season for them. Competed hard and hung in there and put together a solid season. Um, Kansas defeating Charlotte 4 2, close match, great season for Charlotte. Segment 3, NCAA tournament wrap up. Well, let's just kind of take stock of where we are in this NCAA tournament. The first two rounds are in the books, and we are down to the Sweet 16. Most definitely, the Power Five flexed their muscle and reminded the rest of us the difference in quality of play. Um, by extension, infrastructure, resources, and to be honest, they opened up a can of whippers on most mid-majors in the tournament. There's two unseeded teams in the two uh, in the Sweet 16. That is UCLA and Auburn. I did not pick either my long shot LSU laid an egg without Caitlin Collins in the lineup. On a side note, what's going on there at LSU? Um, I see Kumar and Vishashi is in the portal. Um, that surprised me. Might not be a quick return to the top 20 for LSU and coach Taylor Vogelman. But, but but let's take a step back over here. so, what constitutes a good year for a mid-major or a power five program or more importantly how do I rate or what is my rule of thumb with regards to rating a good season or a bad season for mid-majors or the power fives let me go ahead and start it off for the mid-majors or the way that I look at it if you win your conference or get an at-large bid as a mid-major, it's a great year. If you can win a round and make it to the round of 32s, it's a phenomenal year. Sweet 16 or beyond, you're an absolute miracle worker. That does not include Pepperdine, by the way. Uh, For the Power Five, for Power Five teams out there, how do I rate a good season or a bad season? If you make the tourney, it's a solid year yes you should make it you are a power five program that should be expected solid year second round loss round of 32s um, solid year yeah um, good year sweet 16 great year elite eight and further phenomenal year that's just a rough guide for me when I look at it now obviously you can take it further and you should take it further if you're a team that used to be bottom of the conference and you went from the bottom of your conference to the top two or three three or four within your conference yeah that's a great year as well Uh, top of my head I can think of Appalachian State within the Sun Belt Um, If you were just a team who was ranked around 120 a year before, and now you're ranked in the 50s, yeah, that's a great year as well. Um, But I just kind of chuckle, especially with social media nowadays, man, the amount of positivity, and positivity is great, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, I mean, we can all do with a dose of positivity, but I hate it when we live in rainbow lands. Um, when everything is great, everything is great. Sometimes you just got to call the way it is, you know, solid year, great year, unbelievable year. And if you don't um, reach those milestones, yeah, it's not a good year. Nothing wrong with having a bad year, you know, regroup, get back to the drawing board and see if you can do it next year again. But let's get a, let's go ahead and wrap things up. This feels like this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode this week, back end of a season like this. Um, Let's go ahead and, and like I say, wrap it up. Quick summary. 15 out of the 16 teams standing are Power 5 teams. On a side note, that's the same for the men's tournament, with Harvard crashing the party on the men's side. 28 out of 32 teams in the second round were Power 5 teams. Kudos to ODU, San Diego, Princeton, and I guess Pepperdine being the only four mid-major teams getting to the second round, unless I missed one. That's kind of a rough reality check for the rest of us when you see those numbers, but I hope that's some of the value I've been bringing with this podcast. Now, Now, first of all, great job to the teams left, but let's be honest, man, they should be good. Um, you know, what the value that I like to bring with this podcast, or one of the values, is um, I have and will continue to shine a light on those smaller mid major programs. Even those that did not win their conference tourneys, but who I know is doing a great job with limited resources and support, but still figure out a way how to maximize performance with a setup that they have. Hopefully us mid-majors can figure out a way to slow down the widening gap between a power five and mid-majors that I clearly see accelerating. Last but not least, a couple of super regionals that interest me for this upcoming weekend that I would like to keep an eye on. Uh, First one, Pepperdine versus Texas, I think that's going to be a great match. Stanford versus Ohio State especially since I picked Stanford to make the Final Four. And in Iowa State versus UCLA, that's a great opportunity for both those teams to make it to the Final Eight. Now, I know, I know I'm a mid-major homer and biased towards the mid-majors, but I mean this is a big weekend, this upcoming weekend and the following weekend with the final site matches for our sport. Uh, I, I really hope that they do a good job promoting it, um, do a good job covering it. Uh, I mean, I wish we could get it on TV. I don't know what the setup is, if it is going to be on TV or not. It's kind of painful to see beach volleyball you know, on ESPN. And it's kind of tough sometimes to get these matches for women's tennis. And hopefully whoever's in charge of that, the suits or whoever, has made some progress with that. Um, But I'll definitely be watching. Um, Can't wait to discuss it next week to see if there's any surprises or if it's somewhat predictable. Um, In the next week or so, I'd actually like to, for next week's episode, have a closer look at that transfer portal. It opened up there on May 1st. It looked like there was a ton of names. Um, Myself, personally... i I'm not really a guy for the transfer portal because um I mean I like to think I know how to recruit, but I'm not too confident out recruiting two hundred other people out there unless I have a prior relationship with one of the players on there um but 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 i in the next week or so, you I mean I want to get in there and look at these power five conferences to see if they are having some turnover, how many of those power five players are in the transfer portal. Maybe we can pick up some red flags, you know, top of my head, LSU, that's a red flag that a couple of their players are in there and obviously it will be curious to see, interesting to see where some of those top end players will end up. I mean, my guess is Pepperdine or Texas or some of those schools, but a lot of mid-major players out there, curious to see if all of them are going to find a home. Um, but, like I said, you know, I want to break it down by Power 5 conference to see what the turnover is over there. And then, definitely next week, maybe in the topic section, discuss that a little bit more in detail. But overall, I hope you enjoyed the content of this week's episode. Definitely, we'll see you next week. Over and out.